Hey everyone, Justin's nephew Jackson wants to tell you where to go if you want to support the show. Yeah. Pay, Pay. Jury. Daily. Dot com. Nailed it. It's your old boy, Justin Robert Young, joining you yet again on a Monday, September 16th, 2019. How are you guys doing? Did you have a good weekend? Good weekend for everybody? Good. Good. Hey, what are you doing? All right. What are we doing? What are we doing this weekend coming up, though? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's what everybody's been, uh, everybody's been about on Facebook, on Reddit. Have you had the conversation with your significant other yet? Are you are you ready to risk it all and go to Area 51? They can't stop us all. You got your Naruto running ready? Because that's what's going to happen, man. We're all going to run in there. They can't stop us all. We're going to clap them cheeks, see them aliens. It's going to, look, it's, it's going down. Or at least it was, of course. This is a joke. It was on Facebook, the, the uh, Storm Area 51 event. But, but it's coming up this weekend. September 19th is when it's uh, uh, supposed to happen. And obviously, this started out as a joke. Nobody should really be doing this. It's very dangerous. Area 51 is an active Air Force base, and if you show up, uh, I'm pretty sure they can stop us all. <laughs> they will murder everybody, no matter how fast your ass is Naruto running. It is a wrap. So the guy who started it, Maddie Roberts, which, I mean, just brilliant. I mean, you couldn't write it better. Like, I, I think the, the group he initially uh, uh, posted it under was shit posting because I'm in shambles. <laughs> Two o'clock in the morning sparks a global phenomenon with millions of people saying they're going to storm Area 51 so they can see them aliens and clap them cheeks. But whenever you got four million people say that they want to do anything, there's an opportunity for marketing. There's an opportunity for heat, right? Opportunity to cook with it. Opportunity to make some cash, some green. So they decided, all right, well, I mean, what's the natural outgrowth? We're really not going to have people run into Area 51, but we're going to have ourselves a little concert. Alien stock is what they called it, and then they realized very quickly, or at least young Matty Roberts realized, that you can't just trust random people who say they're going to put on a concert in the desert. And the desert is really your operative phrase here. This is not... A concert in a meadow. This is not a concert in a building. This is not a concert in a, a, a sweltering afternoon. This is the desert. This is where life doesn't live. A, a concert is a taxing thing in, in temperate weather. 
It is literally life or death in the weather that is out there in Rachel, Nevada, which is where they were going to hold this. So Maddie Roberts pulled it back, said, hey, look, none of these people have any idea what the hell they're doing, so I can't lend my name to it. Which I don't blame him. Like, that was that was a bad idea. He even called out the Fire Festival. He's like, I'm not doing Fire Festival 2.0. Because this won't just be a bunch of rich kids and show up to, to the Bahamas and realize they got to eat cheese sandwiches. No, then you just got a bunch of pissed off rich kids. If you get a bunch of burnouts that are heading out there to the Nevada desert, I mean, like, come on. These... Like the people that are that are that are actually going out there to storm Area 51, like something tells me that they're gonna be able to go out there because they ain't got much to do on on uh, you know Monday through Friday. Gonna be a lot of unemployed people, I would imagine. I'm probably reading into this a little bit, but I'm just gonna go ahead and say I do not imagine that any of these people are are really lighting the world on fire. All right, that's mean. Well, I mean, I guess compared to the rich kids, but the, like the rich kids. All right, so. If it were Fire Festival and a bunch of rich kids were out there, then, you know, they would just hire a fleet of Teslas. And then uh, it would just be a stream of Teslas as far as the eye can see. It'd be like that last shot in Field of Dreams when it's like at night and it pans up and, and you know, you see like this entire like small town is now like bumper to bumper because people are going to come see the crazy ghosts that are playing baseball or whatever. It'd be like that, but with a bunch of Model 3s. And they would all come and scoop up these kids and then they'd all wind up selling out the cabanas at the Cosmopolitan, right? But these are burnouts. I'm assuming they're burnouts. Like, they, they ain't got no money. They're lucky they got a, a, a pot to piss in and a sock to come in. These kids, you put them out there, they're just going to be a line of carcasses, dried out, hollowed husks of former humans. With band t-shirts. I'm glad. Everybody go to Vegas. It's a, it's a nice time. You're going downtown to Vegas. It'll be a fun time. Go to Triple George and make sure you get the chick parm sliders. Let's go ahead and get into the, another news story. television show on NBC it's been around for a while and had some funny people but also it's routinely bad sketch comedy's hard everybody likes to make fun of SNL but SNL is SNL for a reason it's an institution to put sketch comedy on the map you can't say sketch comedy in in America especially televised sketch uh, sketch comedy without it having some connection in one way or another to SNL so we pay attention to it Comedy fans have a very love-hate relationship with SNL. True story, back when I was in New York, it was right about the time that Amy Poehler was really kind of like breaking onto SNL. And that was like kind of a big moment because the Upright Citizens Brigade, which had had a Comedy Central show, was such a staple for New York comedy where a lot of big, great New York comedians got their start people that are huge now right and it was kind of this bridging there was like this awkward moment where there was this bridging of new york 
sketch comedy and the mothership. And so you had people that were very connected to the roots, the, the, the fairly small scene of New York sketch comedy that were now also plugged into SNL. So I remember there used to be a show called like Better Than SNL or SNL Sucks or something like that or SNL Rewritten maybe. And the, the, the concept of the show was that it was on Sunday and the people that were doing the show would rewrite SNL. They'd take the premises of all the sketches and they'd rewrite it better. And I remember Matt Besser of the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater, and God knows, I can't remember, probably an internet forum or something, just lit these people up about how thankless and awful uh, they're being, that SNL is something that you need to respect. If you want to have a career in this business, you got to understand. To call it shitty is to misunderstand what it is. Blah, 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 blah. He was furious. Which is to say that there's a love-hate relationship. I think everybody understands the power of SNL, but, you know, comedians, like anybody in their in their craft, are going to have complicated feelings about their peers, even if these are not their peers. These are people that are, that are at the top of the game. If you see somebody at the top of the game doing something that sucks, you're like, oh, God, I hate it. I want to be better than that with my kind of comedy. This is all an elaborate lead-in to say that SNL will not be casting the guy that they initially uh, extended an invitation to, Shane Gillis, because his podcast got leaked. He did a podcast where he said some uh, bad, offensive words about Asians. This is especially, uh, especially bad because SNL also hired their first East Asian cast member. Yipes. He called, he said that there were, you know, the, the C word for Asian people that live in Chinatown. You know, dot, dot, dot in the armor. If you're unfamiliar, I'm not going to play it because it's just a gross, bad joke. So. Shane, uh, who I'm sure now will be a hero to uh, Breitbart or Barstool Sports or something like that. I'm sure he has. Look, on one hand, he he got a tremendous boost today because, uh, you know, if he's not going to be on SNL, you know, I'm sure he'll get a Netflix comedy special where it's like, sorry, I'm not sorry or whatever. Here was his public comment. It feels ridiculous for comedians to be making serious public statements, but here we are. I'm a comedian who was funny enough to get on SNL. That can't be taken away. Of course, I wanted an opportunity to prove myself at SNL, but I understand that it would be too much of a distraction. I respect the decision they made, and honestly, I'm grateful for the opportunity. I was always a mad TV guy anyway. Hey, Miss Swan. Who was the guy fired from SNL before his first day on the job? He looked like a man. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. I just realized now that we're like days away from somebody rediscovering Miss Swan and Alex Bornstein getting canceled. Damn it. <laughs>
From Colin, he wrote in to jurydaily at gmail.com. Again, jurydaily at gmail.com. We got more information on Uber and Lyft. I was listening to Wednesday and Thursday's show, uh, and I had some thoughts on the gig economy. I drove for Uber and a little for Lyft, part-time and full-time for the better part of three years in total. At first, it was, as you said, a side gig to help pay my bills, make a car payment, give me some extra cash on the side. I can't speak for companies like DoorDash or Postmates or other food delivery services, but Uber and Lyft very much allow drivers to make their own hours and turn the app on and off whenever they please. That's how I survived when I was laid off and shifted to working for Uber full time for nearly nine months. While this is all fine and dandy, Uber and Lyft definitely draw people in with the allure of being their own boss and making their own hours and instant daily payouts for only a 25-cent fee. It's not without its downsides. In my market of Boston, it's very competitive and overly saturated with drivers of varying experience. Over the course of the last few years, Uber has drastically cut driver pay, as that email from Thursday said. The drastic change in the way that surge pricing works, works last year, as well as lowering the amount of each fare that goes to the drivers from 80% to sometimes as low as 40%, made it harder and harder to hit my personal weekly goals to pay my bills. While Uber at least used to offer bonuses for hitting, uh, hitting certain, certain ride totals each week, $60 for 40 rides, 100 bucks for 75 rides, or something similar, extra cash here and there from doing three, six, nine rides in a row became increasingly more difficult to hit those goals because of the algorithm Uber uses to push rides to certain drivers and the way that too, that there's way too many drivers in Boston currently. I'm sure that this is the case in other markets across the country, but a recent statistic said that over 20,000 cars would come into the city on weekends just to drive for Uber and Lyft. Well, thank you very much, Colin. Uh, uh, again, I, I, I'm all for negotiating a better deal with these companies. I think it's great. I don't know if what people want out of this is really what you're going to get, though, with being an employee. But, you know, that's just one man's opinion. I would like to thank our producers, the Gen Nonspecific Rock and Roll Martian, Stephen Well, James the OG Brito Well, and Chris. You can email us, jurydaily at gmail.com, Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat at Justin R. Young, and you can join our Discord at bit.ly slash jurydiscord. Thank you to Amish Overlord and MacBook Pro for our jury stories today. Until tomorrow, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying, uh, please give a round of applause to Mr. Wacky for more important. Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>